This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. This, this is the bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Once again, we are back here for the bonfire. This is the good stuff. The podcast that you really want to listen to here on the Blaze Radio because what is everybody else talking about? Everybody else is talking about politics. And that's okay. You know, there's a time and a place for that. But when you come here, you know you're not going to get that. So let's go jump into something important. A movie called Lady in the Water. <laughs> that is an old movie. Yes, very old. I do not have a computer right in front of me. This is the problem because this week I was not able to record the show when I'm supposed to. So, you know, I mean, things happen. It's called life. And when you don't get to do things properly, sometimes the quality can suffer. So I do not have the computer in front of me or a trailer to play for you or anything that I normally do. So I apologize for that. But I still made my notes for a movie, Lady in the Water, and giving it a a grade. You know, that's what you come here for. The movie reviews, the documentary reviews, food, travel, even a little bit of sports, all that stuff. The important things in life. So it's called Lady in the Water. And yes, it's directed by M. Night, I think Shyamalan is how you say his name. We all know him from Signs. And Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, movies like that. And of course, yes, the Avatar movie, which was by far the worst movie I've ever seen. And it's terrible. He completely ruined the last Airbender series. And maybe, you know, one day I'll review that movie and explain my thoughts exactly why. But for Lady in the Water, we'll stick with this for now. It's an hour 45. All right. Once again, it's in the sweet spot between an hour and a half and two hours. It's a... uh, it's a good length for a movie. It's still able to keep your attention, and it's not a, a, a short film on YouTube. Okay, it's a good length. The I liked the prologue. The prologue to the movie was a sort of cartoon, little animations, and it was very mythological. As you're watching it, you're thinking, "Oh, wow, this looks like maybe there's a part of the world that actually believes in this type of thing." So it felt it felt real. It could be brought into the world. It was a certain quote called, man may have forgotten how to listen. And then it continues with the story and the plot and all that jazz. I marked that quote, though, because I like that. Man may have forgotten how to listen. Yes, we have. Absolutely, we have. Nobody listens to each other anymore. All we do is talk. Yes, it's ironic here on a podcast that I'm talking, but I listen to other people. I listen to feedback. I prefer... To listen rather than speak. That is why it's funny. 
I have a podcast. That is what... <laughs> speaking podcast from the listener. I really appreciated that quote. I thought it was very applicable in today's world. Once again, the movie has great music, like many movies that I appreciate and give good reviews for. It's usually the music that is a saving grace, you know, a good factor in the movie. I wouldn't necessarily go out and buy the soundtrack. There are certain movies like that that you say, I really need that music. I really liked it. Not so much. It was all right. It was pretty good, but it wasn't amazing music. One of the themes of the movie was finding your purpose. And, you know, things are not as they seem. I like that um, that theme. That's a good, uh, I think, common problem that a lot of people have. Wondering, why am I here? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? And on top of that, things are not as they seem. So you may be looking for your purpose and think, oh, it must be this. I know what's going on now. Well, maybe not. Things are not as they seem. Things can be hidden. It can be secret. And you go, wow, that went over my head. I don't, I don't think I know what's going on anymore. That's pretty normal. So fear not. If you are in that situation yourself, you're wondering what your purpose is, why you're here, what the hell you're doing with your life. We all do that. And even for the few of us who think we know what we're doing, there's every chance that we, we don't know what we're doing and that we're not supposed to be um, at this job or with this person doing this activity, whatever. So... We're all in the same boat there, okay? We can all identify. We can all find our similarities in that theme. <laughs> One funny thing, well, scene in the movie was there was a cereal box scene. <laughs> That's, I just, I start, I can't, I can't take the movie seriously when I'm not going to give anything away. I try not to. But yes, there is a scene involving cereal boxes. It makes no sense. It was kind of trying to be serious, I feel like. The scene was supposed to be awe-inspiring and, wow, that's, that's deep or that's unusual. That's crazy. No, it was just weird. <laughs> okay, I started laughing as if this movie was a comedy. And it's not supposed to be a comedy. It was supposed to be a mythological, fantasy, you know, drama kind of movie. But no, Serial Box scene ruined it. And it's harder to suspend disbelief when the modern world meets fantasy. So if you want to do something like Avatar, The Last Airbender, which, you know, this director, M. Night Shyamalan, did direct, that's fantasy. That's not the modern world. There's earthbenders, waterbenders, all sorts of crazy, let's just, for lack of a better word, call it magic. Okay? It's fantasy. It's magic. It's not of this world. But that's what, that's what the whole universe of the movie was. That's what you were brought into. Same thing with Star Wars, okay? There's a better example. The Star Wars universe, everything that happens makes sense. If you tried to involve those characters or lightsabers and the Force and tried to put it in Chicago or something, I mean, that's that doesn't work. Those are two different universes that can't coincide. So in this movie, with this sort of mythological, fantasy, magic sort of theme just taking place in the middle of Philadelphia, I thought that was weird. It's harder for me to believe the movie and enjoy it if it's just that that much of a dichotomy i kind of rubbed me the wrong way either put this back in the day where there was no modern technology in the middle of a suburban area and do this sort of story okay or tweak it for the modern society don't try to mix the two i just don't think that works very well the acting was not particularly memorable. It was all right. You know, maybe one or two scenes that I thought, wow, okay, that was that was pretty decent. It was pretty good. 
from uh, Paul Giamatti. He's one of the main characters in the movie. Actors, I should say. <laughs> he had one, maybe two scenes that I thought, okay, that was a powerful scene. Good for you. That was uh, the most emotional in the movie. But that's not saying much. Overall, I was not impressed. Now, my final critique for the movie was it would have been better if it was by the ocean, not the pool. Okay, The movie's called Lady in the Water. The water, though, that she's in is a pool. A pool in the middle of an apartment complex in Philadelphia. When you watch the prologue and the mythology of this story that, you know, M. Night Shyamalan tried to create, it makes more sense if it, again, was outside of modern limits. Not the middle of a city. Go put it by the ocean or a lake um, and make it 100 years ago. That was That's my little critique. If you'd made it in the past by a lake or an ocean or a natural body of water, then I think the movie would have been a little better. It could have been a little bit more believable, higher quality. But instead, just it was bizarre. I thought, why are you in the middle of an apartment complex in a pool for swimming? And that's where this creature comes from. Okay, I don't know about that. That doesn't make it seem real where it's like, oh, this could happen to you at your local swimming pool. These creatures live in the pool. I don't think so. No, that's just weird. I don't think they would like chlorine, okay? So there is the final tidbit. I would give this movie on the bonfire scale, you know, uh, five logs. I would give it, hmm, i give it a two. Lady in the Water gets two out of five logs. What does that mean? That means it was okay. It was not a good movie. It was not a great movie. It was just okay. So I guess you could say zero out of five, bloody terrible. And that's what I had last week with Twilight. Okay, that is a bloody terrible movie. One out of five would be a bad movie. Two out of five, an okay movie. Three out of five, good. Four out of five, great. Five out of five, perfect. And I have given out five out of fives, I think more often than I should have. I will admit that. But that's because those documentaries or movies that I reviewed, I was blown away by. I appreciated everything about it. So, but from now on, people have mentioned to me, you should be a little more cautious about giving the five out of five because if you start giving it out often enough, then what does it mean? It's not that special, right? A five out of five should be perfect. Is there a perfect movie or a documentary? No, there really isn't. So I should be a little more cautious, a little more nitpicky about when I give out that, that honor of five out of five. So, for Lady in the Water, it gets two out of five from the bonfire. From the mouth of bonfire. Now, on the other side, and later in the show, I'm going to do a documentary review and uh, explain why that one fell short, too. This was a terrible week for entertainment and, you know, information. Um, I love documentaries because they, they can be entertaining, for sure. But then they give you good information. You, you learn something new. I did not learn something new this week. And I was not really entertained, okay? From this movie, Lady in the Water, and the documentary I'll bring up later, a very disappointing week. But you know, that happens. It happens. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. 
Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is The Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. Here's the B-Block for The Bonfire. It is about social media. Yes, something that we are all on. Okay, think about 10 years ago, 2007. How many of us were on Facebook? Okay, I don't believe Twitter was around back in 2007. Maybe it was, but if it, it, even if it was, it was brand new. It had just started. It certainly is not the massive search engine and news and social site that it is right now. At the most, MySpace was probably kind of filtering down, and then Facebook was slowly taking over. We did not have Snapchat or Instagram or any other freaking thing. Okay, that was just 10 years ago. But excessive social media use causes higher stress, a study says. All right, how many times have we heard this? I've heard it several times. All the news that I read on a regular basis, I see plenty of articles that say how social media is detrimental. There's very few articles that I see. Social media is good for you. Okay, I never see that. But here's what this article sort of hit me differently than others. Are you stressed out by social media? If so, you're not alone. According to a new study, 86% of adults said they constantly check email, text, and social media. And it's reported that this can do damage to your mental health. Okay. So most people are constant checkers, okay? That's a, little, that's a little different than just saying everybody has social media, okay? But how much of it is really the difference here? If it says 86% of people are constantly checking, as in several times a day, um, making the conscious choice yourself to open up your email or a social app and just read, or you, you don't even have to post anything to Facebook or Twitter or Snap, you just... Log on, you just click it, open it up because you want to consume a little bit more. You want to see more information and stay more up to date. This is what the study says. Most people are doing that and most people are getting burnt out because of it. You're stressing yourself out when you're constantly consuming, absorbing, and just trying to stay up to date. You realize there's so much in this world to stay up to date with that it's pretty much impossible. It'd be more than a full-time job for you to just sit on your butt all day on your phone or on your computer and read watch and absorb what other people are writing or creating okay there's just not enough time in the day so why are you stressing yourself out just thinking like oh my god i need to check my email i need to log on again i need to go see what the latest picture is and stay up to date no you don't no you don't okay oh goodness okay someone from uh the study here says she checks her iphone eight times a day a man on the street said he did it 30 times and another woman said she does it every two seconds okay whether or not that's true, that just shows you how frequently people do it. That's how addicted we are to our smartphones or our computers. Most of us are just the smartphones. No one walks around with a laptop anymore, okay? Just your smartphone. And according to a new study by the American Psychological Association, excessive technology and social media has created the quote-unquote constant checker. On a 10-point scale where 10 is a great deal of stress, those surveyed, the average level for constant checkers was 5.3 compared with 4.4 for those who do not check as often. All right, so 10 being the most stress, constant checkers report an average stress level of like 5.3, okay? Well, the people who don't check their social media as often say, well, we have maybe 
So just the fact that you're constantly checking your crap so often is upping your level of stress. That's what the study here is suggesting. If you think it's stressful checking one phone, try checking two. And yes, there are some people who have two phones, their work phone and their fun phone, you know, their personal phone, okay? I mean, there's a lot more to this study into this article. And there's a woman who says, frequent technology use, you know, I feel more connected to my kids, to my family. Is that true? Yes, of course it is. You know, it's so easy to be able to text, call, email, Skype, FaceTime with loved ones from across the world. You can say, hey, I'm talking to my buddy in New Zealand. Well, hey, great, good for you. That's, that is one way why social media is good but everything in balance, something that Bonfire is always saying. I had almost every social app I think you could think of on my phone up until, hmm, let's make it six months ago. Let's just do that. I'm sure it was earlier than that, but six months ago, I had all of them. Would constantly be trying to find a photo that I could take a picture of and then share on Instagram Maybe take a different one and share that on Facebook and then do something completely different for Snapchat. So I'd be all over the place just for images. Then if I wanted to share a thought, sometimes I would tweet something. Here's a quick little thought, you know, 140 characters. Or if I wanted to expand on it a little bit more, I'd go to Facebook and write a status update. Then if I wanted to share an article, I would share it on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And if I needed to update my LinkedIn, I would log on and see, you know, what professional people have checked out my profile and any more professional connections I can make and advance my career. Oh my gosh. That is a hell of a lot of stuff. And I absolutely, compared to now, do remember how I felt back then. Was more stressed. It was this gnawing irritant in my head that I'm thinking to myself, like I couldn't sit still and relax. If I was trying to watch a movie or read a book, I'd still be constantly thinking like, all right, how many people liked my photo, shared my thought, commented on it, agreed with me, disagreed with me, all online. And frequently it'd be people I don't even know. So why do I care? Well, that's just what it does for you. When it makes it so easy on your smartphone to do that kind of stuff and everybody else is doing it, you think, well, why not me? No, that I think really eats you up. So here's my personal you know, experience and advice. I deleted all the apps, all the social apps off my phone. So let me see quickly what I have. I have my, you know, iMessaging, my phone, and PayPal, but that's really for money, that's not for socializing. And I have SoundCloud and iTunes. And that is just to kind of absorb, listen, read. I have the Medium app, that's for reading. So yeah, I don't really have it looks like a single social app here on my phone. I deleted Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and LinkedIn all from my phone. From my phone. I didn't shut down any of my profiles. I just deleted it from my phone. I didn't want anymore that constant connection, ease of use. So now if I need to get on Facebook or Twitter for Bonfire, or share an article that I do feel strongly about, it's a little more effort for me to say, all right, where's a computer? Let me go find my laptop. And then I can do my business. And then I'm less inclined to be constantly checking my phone. I think, well, look, all I have here is my text, my phone, and my email. So if someone emails me, do I automatically respond? No. I'll leave it be, unless I think it's absolutely urgent that I respond. 
Same thing with phone calls and texts. If it's not urgent, I don't have to respond. That's a lot less stress in my life. I don't feel obligated to respond to someone who says, hey, um, you like sandwiches, right? Okay, I, I, that's not a text that I'm going to respond to immediately. Okay, I'll deal with it later. Especially if I'm in the middle of work or I got other you know, bigger fish to fry. Come on. There's only so many hours in the day for you to focus your mental energy. That's why so many of us are getting burnt out is because it's being divided into so many different apps. And then when you're busy doing that, you're less inclined to go out and see people and talk to them face to face. You'd say, well, I already saw on Facebook today what you did, so I don't need to go see you. I don't need to have dinner with you tonight. Well, no, I deleted it from my phone. I still have all my profiles, all the social media. It's just not on my phone. That is what is different here. The study that says constantly checking your social media is bad for you. My solution, because I did that, my solution was just to delete it from my phone, delete the access from my phone. And I think that's helped tremendously. Tremendous, believe me. Um, so if you want to keep your profiles kind of like I do, I'm still deciding whether or not I'll keep them much longer. That's a whole other debate. But they're still there. I can only access them from a computer, from a desktop. So if I leave it at that, I feel much better. I say like, I still get to have that connection. If I need to stay in touch with someone I care about who's far away, yes, that's what it's great for. But I don't need it on my phone, in my pocket, for me to access any second of the day. No. I think it's incredibly freeing to stay away from it. And you can maybe check it once a day when you happen to be at a computer. And if you're never at the computer all day, so the hell what? Continue living your life. You got chores to do. You got errands. You got people to see, things to do, places to go. Focus on that. <laughs> Jeez. And this is coming from the guy who would rather listen than speak on a podcast who needs to share it online in order for people to find it. Okay. That should tell you something. How important it is to really unplug every now and then. The Bonfire. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the Chris Salcedo Show. Fox News Channel has felt these last eight years. So maybe they won't be so eager to sell out to a leftist like Barack Obama, lest they be treated the same way by an administration once they cave for that predicate under one administration, they better be ready to have it handed to them by another administration. The Chris Salcedo Show, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Now, the documentary that I was bringing up earlier, you know, uh, a few minutes ago, talked about a movie first. Here's the documentary. I found it on Netflix. I was told online that it was a good documentary. Uh, highly rated. People seem to enjoy it. I thought, all right, well, now I'm on a roll. I've reviewed a number of documentaries that I've been very satisfied with. Let me do another one. It's called Lo and Behold. Lo and Behold, directed by Werner Herzog. No, we're not related. I wish we were, but no. Werner Herzog, who directed that bear documentary, um, Bear, it can't be Bear Man. <laughs> it can't be that. I forget. But um, I will not be playing the trailer for two reasons. First of all, like I said earlier, I don't have a computer in front of me. And even if I did, I would not play it because I was that dissatisfied with it. This was by far, <laughs> I think, one of the weirdest documentaries I've ever seen. I did not learn a damn thing. That is sad. 
Okay, documentaries are supposed to entertain and inform. I didn't really get much from this at all. Okay, let me explain. It is an hour, 38 minutes. All right, that's a, it's got that going for it. That is a good documentary length, just an hour and a half. The problem was, I watched the first hour of it, and I thought, okay, I can't do this anymore. I stopped it. I stopped it, walked away, and came back to it another day. If you have to turn off a documentary before it's over, it's not good. It is not, it has not grabbed you and made you think, I need to finish this right now. I want more. I didn't care. I thought, you know what, whatever. I've already invested an hour in this. That was a waste of my time. I'm just going to pause it right now and move on to something else with my night. That is what happened. That is not good. And one of the first lines in the documentary, okay, lo and behold, it's about the internet. You know, its origins, where it's been, where it's at, and where it's headed. Okay, that's why it sounded interesting. I thought the internet is everywhere. That is a huge human advancement that is, if you think about it in context of humanity's entire existence, it is almost a miracle, this ability to connect technologically with any other human being or computer across the globe and how much technology is changing and how much it's allowing us to move forward and have automation and robots and making human existence easier and happier. Okay? That's what technology is great for, yes. So I thought it would be a great documentary. And it's directed by Werner Herzog, and he's a renowned documentary maker, and people like him. So, no. Very disappointed. One of the first things in the documentary was some guy who had you know, been involved in creating the internet in the first place as we know it today i think back at ucla he said let me show you the room where we had the first modem or the first piece of the internet you know where we started our this whole process and it's amazing this is a holy place that we're in it's sacred i thought okay <laughs> you lost me already no your bloody piece of technology is not a sacred object this is not a holy place it is an office it is an office with a big chunk of metal sitting over in the corner okay yeah, it's just I had a problem with holy place, sacred object. No, it's not. It's a piece of technology. Okay, calm down. <laughs> Keep it in your pants. The internet's great and everything. And yes, it's made lots of good changes for humanity as well as bad, unfortunately. Yeah, but calm down. <laughs> Keep it in your pants, buddy. I was lost within the first 15 minutes of this documentary saying, I don't, I don't think I know what's going on. What is the plot here? You know, some documentaries can have an easily understandable plot. There's a direction you can tell that it's going and you're able to follow. I'm not a stupid person, but I certainly felt like an idiot watching this documentary. I thought, I don't know what you're saying. They would use all these technical terms and it's almost as if these people that are being interviewed were trying to show off how much they know about the internet and all these equations and deeper, I'm thinking like, you're not reaching the average Joe like me who doesn't know or care that much about the internet. I just like to use it. So I, you're, you're losing me here. And then I don't care. That happened in the first 15 minutes of the documentary. That never happens. Any documentary that I watch, they seem to break it down for the average Joe. Because aren't you trying to appeal to them to say, hey, we're trying to inform you? Unless you made this documentary for the uber nerds, it's, no one else is going to enjoy it. I don't see how anybody could. It's a very nerdy documentary. The things that they're talking about and the vocabulary, the terminology, and 
how giddy they are about it. I'm thinking like this, I don't identify with this. The average American, the average person is not going to either. They just know, hey, here's how I use the internet. Here's how I use my smartphone. I don't care with the trials and tribulations that you had to go through back in the 60s to finally get the modem pieced together and X, Y. I, no, I don't care. Just if you could summarize it quickly in terms of history, that's kind of cool, kind of interesting, but then don't go into super detail. I don't care. I just don't. And it was broken up into, I think, nine or ten different sections um, or chapters. We'll call them chapters. There was a chapter on solar flares, okay? That was one of the redeeming chapters of the documentary. It was so disjointed. It had gone back and forth between here's why the internet is good and here is why it's bad. Here is a nut job and here is someone who hates it. And then here is AI, you know, artificial intelligence. Here are solar flares and EMPs and how our world is so dependent on technology that if we lost it, what's going to happen to us? And then I don't know how it ended because I fell asleep <laughs> in the second half of the movie. So it's so disjointed. It was all over the place. It had one section on solar flares, which I thought was interesting. That's about it. And then a section on artificial intelligence. That was that was all right. I kind of knew you know, what was being talked about. I'm like, oh yeah, I've read that before. I've heard that concept before. Nothing, nothing really new here. And then I gave up after an hour into the documentary saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to pause this, get back to it another day. Went back to it. I only had half an hour left to go in it. I fell asleep before I finished it. Next thing I knew, I wake up and it's over. So a terrible, terrible documentary. Okay. It does not get much worse than that. When it's only an hour and a half, I couldn't even get through an hour of it before wanting to pause it and get back to it some other day. And then when I did get back to it, I fell asleep before it had ended. That means it is not engaging. It was not informative. It was not entertaining. I thought it fell flat on its face. That is why it gets a one out of five on the bonfire scale. That is a bad documentary. It's not terrible, like the worst I've ever seen. But it's a one out of five. I give it that because... I liked the concept it was trying to do. You know, the internet. There's lots that you can do. Lots of documentaries and information and news that you can share about it. It gets a one out of five because it was disjointed. You had no focus. It did not keep my attention. And it was bizarre. Jumping back and forth between here's why it's amazing. Here's where we're headed. Everything's looking up. But by the way, people are stupid and... Some people think the internet is evil. Some literally get sick from the Wi-Fi and they have to move to the middle of nowhere. And people, it's just, wait a minute. I'm like, wait, what's the focus of this documentary? You can't just say the focus is the internet. If you'd focused on how solar flares can affect the internet, you could have made an hour, hour 15 length documentary about society's dependence on technology and how if a solar flare, which is completely out of our hands, were to hit the earth again, as it did in the 1800s. How much we'd be affected by that and how much crap would hit the fan, that would be interesting. And it's a singular focus. You could delve a little deeper into it and slowly walk the average viewer through it. But uh, when you try to just have all these different topics and you try to lace them together under this bedrock called the internet, no. You're all over the place, and there's no way for me to really follow through and care about what you're trying to say, Warner. Sorry, you're not. this was not your best work. And in fact, my girlfriend <laughs> decided to say, 
No, it's not called low and behold. It should be called low and below average. <laughs> yes, definitely below average documentary. Low and behold. Doc uh, Bonfire says do not go see it. If you want to spend an hour, 38 minutes watching it, okay, go right ahead. But beware. That is possibly an hour, 38 minutes that you will not get back after you're done watching it. And you probably won't walk away with a whole lot of information. So if you have time to literally kill, go right ahead. But if you're like me and you value your time, do not go see the documentary on Netflix called Lo and Behold. Don't do it. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. The D-Block of the Bonfire. Yes, you've made it all the way to the end. We have done a movie review. We've talked about social media and how constantly checking it is bad for you because it is very stressful. We did a documentary review. Both you should really not see. Don't see the movie or the documentary. Here is, however, the final bit of information for the show that you should walk away with. I wrote an article for Bonfire Thoughts called One of the Best Scenes from Lord of the Rings. Pretty simple. Here it is. I wish none of this had happened, Frodo Baggins said. Gandalf replies, So do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Perhaps one of the most touching scenes in The Fellowship of the Ring, we see Gandalf comforting Frodo in his time of distress. Frodo feels woefully unprepared for the journey ahead and wishes things had been different. Gandalf simply responds to Frodo, reminding him that everyone feels that way when the going gets tough. It's a natural reaction to want to drop a problem and avoid it altogether. But Gandalf includes some other words of wisdom. Much of life is beyond our control, and our reaction to it is the only choice we actually have. We can't go back and change things, so don't dwell on what could have been. Instead, look forward and realize everything happens for a reason. This is extremely comforting to me, since a lot of my stress revolves around things beyond my control. Only when I remember that my attitude is within my control do I feel more prepared for the road ahead. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. I can decide to let the life that I didn't ask for get me down, or I can face it head on. What will I do with the time given to me? So a super quick article from a scene in Lord of the Rings that just says, look, when the going gets tough, yeah, it's very natural to just say, I wish none of this had happened. Why is this happening? I'm depressed. I'm upset. I'm angry. 
That's all natural. And of course, leave it to Gandalf to say, look, yeah, everybody feels that way. But that's not for you to decide, you know, should this happen to me or should it not? Could I have avoided this or couldn't I have? Look, everything happens for a reason, okay? It's beyond your control. All you have to decide is, okay, what am I going to do with the time that I have? This life that I was given, I didn't ask for it. I wasn't asked to be born at this time or this place to these people. That's beyond your control. Just accept, all right, here I am. I'm here. What am I going to do? Am I going to complain about it or am I going to actively try to cooperate and engage myself in my own life? What am I going to do with the time that I have? The very limited time. You can choose to be a victim or you can choose to say, look, let me help myself and let me help others because we're all in this together. And of course, you know, with the movie and acting, much better than me, of course, and music, the scene is set. It's a great scene. I love that in the uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Definitely Lord of the Rings, my favorite series, my favorite movies of all time because it's got those sort of moments. It's got the action where you see someone's head get cut off. You think, all right, cool. <laughs> it's a very guy thing to do. But then it's got those scenes that are really well written by Tolkien who thinks, look, I, I've, I know the human experience. I've been in war. I'm 60 years old and I've been writing this story for all my life. He's going to have some words of wisdom and he's going to give them to those characters that are perfectly suited to give it. Saying things like, yeah, life is tough, but it's not up to you to decide what kind of crap you're going to get. Everybody's going to get some, okay? Life is difficult and it always will be. The only choice you have to make is when I get the crap, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to eat it or am I going to throw it away and use it as manure? <laughs> I don't care. Whatever stupid analogy you want, it's within your control to a degree to say, look, my perception, my attitude is within my control. There, And that makes all the difference. Someone who gets in a car wreck and they're in control, can say, all right, well, oof, at least I'm alive. Um, can I afford to repair this car? Yes, I guess I can. It's just going to, life's going to get a little bit more complicated, a little bit more difficult. It's very much an inconvenience. Or you could be the person that gets into a car wreck and loses his mind, starts throwing, you know, haymakers and tries to get the guy that did it to him. And then he goes home and beats his family because he's upset and he's letting all of his emotions get to him. And he just takes it out on everybody else. He considers himself a victim and life is so unfair yeah, what, what kind of person do you want to be? Because you can't avoid the hard stuff. It's going to find you. But once you accept that, okay, you can deal with it. We can all deal with it. We are going to have our own little problems. And only you can deal with your particular problem, okay? No one else can. If you're someone who's struggling financially, you can handle it. If you're someone who's struggling emotionally, you can handle it. You just have to decide. Decide what to do with the time that is given to you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to The Bonfire. Once again this week, it was a, uh, I wouldn't say it was a random episode. It was a, you could say it was a disjointed episode. Between two articles about social media and how to approach life, from the words of Gandalf, you know, those are good, versus a bad movie and a bad documentary. But that's what I do. I do this for you. To show you and explain to you, here's a movie you should see or should not see. Here's a documentary that was impressive or was a waste of time. I give those reviews so that you can decide with your limited time, what do you want to do? If you want to go see Lo and Behold, all right, be cautious. 
because it could be a waste of your time. Maybe find another documentary that I've talked about and highly recommended and watch that instead. Or a movie. If you think Lady in the Water is the best movie in the world, okay. Go review it yourself and keep in mind what I've said about it and compare. Okay? I like those debates. That is where people can come together and say, look, you may have a whole different belief system than I do, a whole different life. But when it comes to movies or music, we can say, look, let's watch it together or individually and then talk about it for fun just to see what makes the other person tick. Because yes, if I find someone one day who says, Lady in the Water was the greatest movie in the world, I'm going to say, all right, look, sit down. We're going to go get something to eat. You need to explain to me why you think that's a good movie. And I'll hear him out. I'm curious. And then I'll make my case. Well, here's why I thought it was eh. And who knows? He may convince me otherwise. And I think, wow, you're actually right. I now changed my opinion about the movie. Or I may change his. Who knows? That to me is fun. I think it's enjoyable. It's bonding over something that's really unimportant. You know, it's not critical to life to watch a movie. But if it can help you bond with your fellow man, I'm all for that. And the bonfire is all for that. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the time being. <laughs> you know, still being on social media. And of course, the main website, bonfirethoughts.com. Andrew Herzog, out. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand.